0: And for Virginia the sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Blatial Franklin States in the West End of Richmond for this special election night, ver- no, not really, uh, for this week's edition of the CavsCorner.com podcast, we are going to talk about uh, this week's Top 100 camp and what I'm figuring will be a very busy week for me. Um, I don't believe I've ever had to track this many kids and, at a Top 100 camp, so this is going to be fun. We're also going to talk about uh, the some football recruiting stuff. Um, Both the um, the news last week that the that two of the graduate transfers Virginia was expecting uh, were will not be um, enrolling uh, this summer, as well as kind of like maybe a little bit of a kind of a um, an overview, so to speak, maybe a more general conversation about recruiting in general, uh, because we've talked a lot about that offline. So I think some of that conversation. Uh would be would be interesting to the to the good folks. But before we do, let me go around and introduce everybody and for tonight everybody is Mr. Justin Ferber up in Arlington.
1: How are you, buddy? I am every man and I am every woman. Wow. Impressive. It's all in me. it, it is. It is in me. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Um at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter.
0: And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for your in-game updates, content items, and your blue check. Um. So, let's let's start with last last week's news. Typical Friday news dump. Um, that both Colin McGovern and Marvin Sanders would not be enrolling at UVA, and that Sonny Abramson had left the team. Uh, apparently, going to stay on as a student, but uh, was, would not be uh, um playing football. Uh, and I totally just realized I didn't even say where Dave was. I'm sorry. Dave, Dave had some stuff come up; wasn't able to be on the show tonight. Uh, hopefully, he he will be back uh, next week. Um, man, that was really mean of me. Sorry, Dave. Um, I promise that wasn't even like I wasn't doing that for for like fun. I wasn't trying to be funny, um, though. I do I, I got jokes, but that's just not one of them. Okay, so with with, with this news, I guess part of me was surprised, right? Because you, you feel like you get fairly down the the path, so to speak. Of um you know when the school's announcing something, you feel like you you've gotten fairly far down, but this is the third time people forget about uh Jared Cohen, the offensive lineman from North Carolina, that was going to enroll uh and then did not um uh. on the one hand, it was surprising on the other hand, the McGovern piece was more important than to me at least Than the xander piece, and then uh. I I guess the reaction was much more about the quarterback. Maybe that's more because people pay attention to quarterbacks. You usually have a really good sort of gauge for what's hype and what's not. How big a deal was this to you, Ferber? Was this one of those like, ugh, only Virginia kind of moments? Or was this actually something significant that that we really should be um talking about because it's a it's kind of a big deal?
1: Uh somewhere in between. Um I think in particular McGovern not coming is kind of a big deal Um, just because I think he had a good chance to play uh, based on his career. But there were some people at Notre Dame I know that when he was leaving there and looking at potential transfer destinations, they had mentioned that he had been battling through some injuries and you know he lost his starting spot um, later in the season due to an injury that he never really seemed to recover from. I can't remember specifically what it was. So um, I'm not exactly sure why he decided not to come, but maybe that was a factor. And if that's the case, then obviously um, it's not really a loss uh, if he couldn't play anyway. But um, I mean, assuming he could play up to his potential, then obviously he would have been counted on in some way. I'm sure he had a chance to start if if he could play at that level. Um, The good news is you still have two more grad transfers coming. So, I mean, I didn't think that they were going to even get three in the first place. Um, so, the fact that they have, still have two is good. Um, I would say, you know, it's disappointing, um, but this kind of stuff does happen with transfers. Uh, some kids decide, you know, they don't want to play football anymore, or um, they just want to move on to professional life, or maybe there's another school that they might end up at. So, that kind of stuff happens. Um, Xander's is a little bit more interesting because I never really, we talked about this a little bit on Friday. When the news is announced, but I never really saw him as a starter um, or somebody that was going to challenge Kurt Bankard for the starting job. I thought maybe he could be used as a change of pace. And if it came to it, maybe next year he starts because he had two years of eligibility, correct? Right, that's correct. But I mean, nothing based on anything he'd done in Missouri had really given me a lot of consideration to think that he would be a starter. Right. Um, even next year, I thought that Cross might have had the he might have had the upper or somebody else might have had the upper hand over him, um, and he would still be using the same way as kind of like a change of pace, wildcat running kind of quarterback off the bench. Um, and with Abramson, um, that didn't really come as a big surprise to me at all. I mean, quite frankly, how long have we been talking about that? Um, yeah, we've been talking about
0: that for
1: a while. Reps. He doesn't get the reps. So, I mean, right. it's like at a certain point And then, you know, it's a new coaching staff. He was actually committed to the London staff. And, you know, and then you have Xanders coming in and Devontae Cross gets recruited into that same class that he was in. And then couple that with the fact that he had the shoulder injury and never really practiced last year and then didn't get any reps in the spring. And now they're bringing in uh, another kid in this recruiting class, Wyatt Rector. So, I mean, obviously, I think it was probably – in his best interest to move on if he wanted to play football, but uh, you know, obviously, he decided to stay at the university. So maybe you know, hopefully, his injury is okay. But um, not too surprised by that overall. He's a talented kid, though, so I'm kind of surprised he's not going he yeah, to go where?
0: Yeah, that was my piece too. Like when they said he was going to remain a student, I, I was a little bit surprised by that because I thought, you know, he seemed like a guy who could play. Um, let's let's. I want to circle back for a second because I think it's important for 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 us to have a little bit of a discussion, or at least maybe to touch some. Um, some tent poles here about like um, where I want to leave these breadcrumbs like it transfers guys who transfer okay they typically are not of the um, Kirk Benkirk variety and what I mean by that is Kirk Benkirk clearly has talent he clearly is well he can play the game he can he he, he can be uh, a QB one right very few transfers are of that variety. What I mean by that is a talented kid who, for whatever reason, um, just it just didn't work for him. In, in Ben Kirk's case, remember, uh, not only did he get hurt, but then he had a coaching change. And then he was in line to basically compete for the job before he left that spring. Um, most kids are like uh, these guys from Notre Dame, right, who are, for whatever reason, it didn't work out for them. They are looking to play one more year and, and work on their, their graduate degree. It's an opportunity for them to have a fresh start. But typically, man, like, I think we have to keep in mind that transfers are not recruits. Like, when when a kid comes out of high school, he gets evaluated, he gets offers, he chooses a school. But he has a, he's an open, he's a, he's a blank slate, right? He's an open book. You can sort of, he can sort of become who he's going to be um, free of any sort of other stuff, right? Where graduate transfers have baggage, and I don't mean that to be mean. I just mean it, it. transfers in general have baggage. There's some reason, right, that they didn't stay where they were, whether it's a coaching change, whether it's an injury, uh, whether it's somebody else beat them out, whether they weren't getting the playing time they thought. Maybe there was a scheme change, um, you know, whatever, it didn't work for them at that university. Personally, there are reasons, right? Like if you think of like uh, it was announced today, that Jamie will formally announced the additions of Landon Word and David Eldridge. Why did they leave? They're talented kids, right? Uh, but in their case at least you know in word for example just he didn't fit and he wanted to go find somewhere new but he brings some of that baggage with him he's a really talented kid he's got a lot of time to get it right and when you transfer down you can play immediately that helps um in, in the case of McGovern like you were saying like if if he ba- if he's battling injuries and maybe it's a thing where you know he just thought you know what I don't I, I can't I can't push my body there um i, I it, mo- most of the folks i talked to expected him to be in the mix for for being a starter um so that's that's tough for UVA, but also, too, in some ways, if, if he wasn't going to be able to play, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a real um, – it's not a loss. I mean, it's, it's tough luck, and that kind of happens to Virginia when it comes to offensive linemen of the last decade or so. But that's, you know, that's just – that's unfortunate. With Xanders, it's different because, as, um, as I was telling Ferber just a minute ago, it got reported today that he's going to go to Vanderbilt. It could be that he was waiting for the SEC to change its uh, transfer rules. Previously, you weren't allowed to go from one SEC school to another. Um, that rule changed uh, recently, and Malik Zaire was able to, uh, to, to go to, uh, um, to Florida. Um, the thing that I'm curious about with him is I, I don't know how – I just don't know how – I just don't know where he fit in the mix. I watched them create this sort of uh, package for um, for um, Devontae Cross, and it made sense to me that Xander sort of fit into that. But I wondered, even at the time, if that's really what he wanted out of his two years, right? Like, that's not really quarterback. It's something, but it's not. Now... If, let's say, Cross ends up being Virginia's quarterback, my guess is that, that they're not going to just run the ball. They're going to have to throw it, obviously. So things change. But in terms of what he was going to be expected to do this year, it was going to be probably fitting into that role. Um, could he have done that for a season after you know, what happened to him at Missouri and then, and what, turn around next year and win the job and be the guy? I don't know, man. Like That's, that's tough. Um, it certainly seemed like to me that... Uh, he was much more of a cog in the wheel as opposed to um, the focal point, right? He was it, he wasn't the wheel, right? Um, and and to your point about Sonny, I mean, it makes total sense to me that that he's leaving, uh, that he, or that he's not going to be on the football team anymore. Like you mentioned, I mean, he he did commit to a, to the previous staff. He decided to to stay on, and then Virginia still went out and got another quarterback uh, in that same class, and that's usually. Uh, a pretty dubious kind of deal. Just once I'd like, (laughs) just one time, just once, I would like for Virginia to not have quarterback drama of some description. Because now they're going to go into the fall with Kurt Benkirk, Devontae Cross, and Lindell Stone um, uh, 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 on the roster. Um, The way people are hand-wringing about basketball commitments in 18, Lord have mercy, three quarterbacks on the roster, sounds... Sounds like some folks should be uh, worried about, but overall, it, it's tough news. Um, but at the same point, like you said, they do have uh, two more grad transfers that are coming, uh, and I think those are, are important as well. There's been a lot of conversation among us, our 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 fearless crew here, about recruiting in general um, for 18 for the football team. We'll we'll talk basketball here in a minute. But I, I did want to touch on this because I thought it was it was worth talking about. Virginia has has lost a handful of really important defensive tackle uh, targets in the last few weeks. With uh, Ryan Bryce um, committing to Army, J- uh, my cousin on Franklin committing to Notre Dame, uh, and then this weekend Cam Good com- committing to Virginia Tech. Um, that one stung especially because Cam was was. He, the possibility with him was one of the things that kind of softened the blow of losing uh, Franklin to, to to the Irish. Ferber, you are not somebody who hand wrings. You're not a, a worrier. You don't get fired up by you know like Dave does with somebody on Twitter. Um, how worried are you about defensive tackle recruiting, and do you think this is this is a symptom of a bigger issue? Recruiting is this just a Two and ten, still relatively new sort of deal. What's what, what do you what do you attribute some of Virginia's struggles, at least uh, at least so far, of locking up a, a defensive tackle, it, it, which is obviously one of their biggest needs?
1: Um, honestly, I kind of think and it's been a while since UVA's ran a uh, three four. Um, but from what I can remember and what I've seen of other teams, and now UVA to a to a smaller degree, I mean. I think it's kind of just a tough position to recruit for, for one. Um, I mean, you have to get a guy that is the quality of athlete that you're looking for um, to play the position. He has to be big enough. And then at the same time, like, high schools don't really – it's just – you know, you've seen the film. It's like – the the defensive tackles that UVA is recruiting, they're not asked to do what defensive tackles in a three four really. I mean, not a lot of high schools run like a traditional three four, from what I can tell. They run, you know, they just try to put their best athletes out there and make what they can do, make out of it. A lot of four three stuff, um, a lot of DBs on the field. Um, it's a tough position to recruit for. Uh, I don't think that they're doing anything different with defensive tackle than with any other positions. But yeah, I mean, obviously where the roster stands, it's a concern um they have to get somebody in there that can i mean and and the closer you are to the football i mean the tougher it is to come right in and contribute you know so um i think that defensive tackle is one of those positions that you kind of have to develop over time and obviously you don't want to have a bunch of projects come into defensive tackle um just because i mean it'd be good to get some pure talent at that position because then it's a guy that you can kind of mold into the system but you don't have to worry about whether he's going to get big enough or whether he's going to be strong enough or whether he's going to be quick enough um, to play in the ACC, so um, I, I am concerned about where they, you know, where the roster stands at that position. But at the same time, I don't think it's because of anything specific that, you know, they're recruiting the position wrong or, you know, they're passing on guys. I mean, they had a kid that they liked; they committed to Army. Um, I think that's a situation that's outside the norm. Uh, I don't think. I mean, I don't. I, they're the coach. They're not that dumb to like not know how to sell themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like. I can't. I, sometimes you just hit the wall. I think it's. I think the biggest problem right now is that it's a tough sell. Um, the, you know these. You, you see the, the 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 schools that a lot of the kids that commit to UVA have offers from. Um, it's you see the same guy. It's the same teams. It's UConn and Temple and Syracuse and schools like that. And that's kind of where UVA is now. They're just lumped in with the rest of them just because of how they have performed on the field. Now, whether what their potential is like, yeah, it's probably better than some of those schools, but it's hard for players to see potential when they haven't really seen it throughout their whole, you know, growing up, basically. Um, and yeah, like I said, I mean, it's a lot of the guys they're recruiting aren't the kind of kids that are going to come right in and play. Like if it was a five-star defensive tackle, you're going to come right in and play because uh, we need a defensive tackle. But a lot of these kids, they're going to need a year to redshirt. Or they're just going to need development, um, regardless of what the roster needs are.
0: Yeah, you know it's funny. I I, I try my best to not be too reactionary. I mean, it's I, I think sort of the nature of the job, right? But I I don't I don't think that there is a uh, I, I, let me let me let me reframe this. I understand why why fans are a little bit antsy because it is a very clear position of need, and it feels like they can't find anybody. One, it's June um, and two, the guys that they've gone after so far you can you can sort of see um, you can see why they cast a wider net, right They didn't have all of their eggs in the Jamion Franklin basket. He was the guy that, that, that most of us heard about the most, um, and certainly the guy we probably talked about the most. but like how with, with with several of the guys on the board there are there are. Um, there's a good chance that Virginia's gonna get guys you've heard of, right? I think that for fans, the idea is like oh here's a position of need we can't we can't seem to find anybody who wants it, and we're gonna end up with some guys who are not playing a guys That's a fair worry, um especially at this point when you watched um you know a handful of your of your top defensive tackle targets go elsewhere. Um, the Franklin one to Notre Dame could could come back around to UVA because if a coaching change happens there, uh, who who knows what that looks like? Um, and, and certainly Brian Kelly is is on the uh, on a little bit of a hot seat there. Um, the the Cam, cam picking Tech I, I I when I talked to him he did just not seem like a guy who would end up in Blacksburg not and I don't mean that negatively. Um, though I know that the vast majority of people Here in this podcast would love to take it as such But like he I don't know man He he just did not give me that vibe uh, I thought talking to him You can a lot of times you can just kind of hear it In their voice when they they light up when they Talk about one school and they they talk about Other schools and it's sort of eh. uh, He he really lit up talking About UVA um, the, the, the Bryce kid Committing army I mean like he wanted to serve And I, I know that that's a tough Beat but at the same time, like, what, is Virginia going to become a, a military school? Like, he wanted to serve. Like, that was a part of the thing for him. Um, you can't – what are you supposed to do? You know what I mean? Um, but the bottom line is, like, look, they gotta, they, they've got they got to be able to find a kid who fits the 3-4. Um, they're not going to be able to take defensive ends and retrofit them, right? They need to find kids who are physically already sort of prepared for that. Um, they might dodge one if, if Jawan Moye can continue to put on – more weight, and he, he he develops into the into the guy this year. Um, but you know, eighteen and nineteen, they got to find they got to find depth. Um, I, I think what's sad about it is is that that, that perception of defensive tackle has sort of uh, it's sort of killed what I think is a pretty pretty solid class so far. I mean, granted, they want to fill it up, so it's they should be probably numbers wise, they probably should finish June well into double digits. Um, so they got some, they got some work to do. Um, I, I just I I think it's a, it, it's a good start to the class, but there are definitely needs that have to be addressed. And defensive tackle is absolutely on the list. And right now, you know they're they're really in a, in a pickle. They got to figure out uh, a way to get a couple of them. Um, so it, it does it does kind of um, it it is somewhat unfortunate. Let's move on to to basketball. Where <laughs> speaking of hand ringing, um, we 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 will at least somewhat. Gently, or whatever, talk about uh, the hand wringing about eighteen. But top one hundred camp is this week. Um, oh, I think what did it? What was that list? Fourteen, thirteen, fourteen names that I, that I basically have guys that uh, I'll be tracking uh, as you hear this podcast. It will start on Wednesday afternoon, um, day and night sessions. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I believe. So lots of live threads, lots of uh, randomness from me. From the, uh, from the seats of JPJ uh, Ferber, let's start this discussion here If there's a guy you want to hear the most about this week Who is it and why? Talk, talk to me a little about what you're, um, what you're hoping to hear about Beyond, you know, when I'm doing interviews And guys are talking about taking visits And they all want to, you know, take officials to UVA But like, what, what, what kind of things are you looking uh, to learn Or to, to hear about from this camp?
1: I think one of the good things about the top 100 is it's just, like, the amount of – and now, I mean, it's not as big of a deal because there's so much AAU going on. But just to get all those guys in one place, you kind of hear, like, who can make a move and um, as far as rankings go and that sort of thing, like uh, individual matchups. I always like that sort of thing. Like, uh, you know, you get somebody like um, Musa Jallo going up against Keldon Johnson or whatever. Um, i just pick two names. Um I love to hear that kind of stuff, and then like just you get more information about where people's strengths and weaknesses are. Um, And did you want like a specific player that I'm looking? Well, no,
0: actually, that's 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 actually really good because what I was curious about was just what your general sort of feel is. Because I my my experience, and don't don't uh, don't let this give you a big head here, but my experience is that you're a pretty good barometer. For what the what the what my the normal interested party wants to know about, right? Oh, the, thing, the things you normally care about are the things most of them care about, and the things that you are normally uh, don't give a crap about are the things they don't typically give a crap about.
1: Um, and that's why I'm running for. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> and that's why he has my support. No, I just. But that's interesting because you're right. It is because. You get a couple events at the end of the AU season once the the shoe circuits have all finished up where you have these teams that are sort of playing against each other. But this camp gives you an opportunity to see a lot of the best players thrown into a a blender and then they come out on teams that they they typically aren't comfortable right away. They're getting coached by former players typically, um, former NBA players or those folks who have been around the game. So not guys that they have a lot of experience with. they're asked to, to basically play a lot of games in a short amount of time, um, and they have to sort of figure it out. And, oh, and by the way, they, you get kids from all of the different uh, circuits. And it, I, I think that by itself, I mean, even if they didn't have the thing in my backyard and, and didn't make it so that I could really, uh, I, you know, I think it's a dramatic um, benefit to me uh, to be able to do my job so you know to do to cover this camp so close and every every year there's you know some talk about you know school X or school Y is pissed that the, the thing is at UVA and blah 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 and they're always you know there's always some some buzz about them maybe moving it but I mean for me it's it's great, but uh, but at the same time, it's really nice to be able to see all of these kids together playing against one another and like you said, um, y- you get a sense of who can do what in a very 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 quickly you get that sense, and then you can see them against each other in ways um, that's that's uh, that helps evaluations. It's, it's I think it's it's so much it's it's somewhat sad that that the the coaching the coaching staffs aren't allowed to be there. Like I wish the NCAA would say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to open up the the upper deck and we're going to let coaches just watch, and they could have one or two assistants, whoever, however many, and then just for this camp. I mean, it's through the NBA, it's. If the NBA is, I mean, the NBA and, and, and college basketball, um, they sort of, it, it's they work somewhat hand in hand, right? I mean, I don't think that college, that the NCAA sees the NBA as the enemy or anything like that. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It just makes it makes a lot of sense to me to to have them um, to have them involved to be able to see so much talent in one place. But that's. But then again, there's going to be plenty of video, and wh- I think we're all we all cr- are crazy if we don't think coaches consume that in some way. Um, but no, I wasn't. You know, I was curious if you would take that into individual players. Um, you know, when I did the the primer um, on, on the the guys I'm going to be tracking, I, I specifically tried to 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 kind of drill into. Okay, some of these are known commodities, and some of these are going to be guys like John Newman is a kid I'm really interested to see live. Uh, Jallo is a kid I'm really interested to see live um, Both of the Mass Rivals kids Duke and Reeves I'm interested to see live uh, Dort is a kid I'm interested to see live And certainly Brooks too Because he's taken on such a um, Because of the AG comparisons I think for a lot of folks He's the guy that they want the most in the post Um I mean, I haven't seen David McCormick since Elite Camp, what, two years ago? And he was a completely different guy then. I mean, not just in terms of size and and where he is physically, but, like, his skill set. Like, he's just a different dude now. Um, So, obviously, I'm interested in in, in talking to the kids after, Lord willing, and and the NBAPA not being weird about Access. Um, But I'm also really interested to see some of these kids uh, in person. Um, the good thing about going to being able to go to Hampton and go to UIBL is I'm able to see a bunch of a really good talented players and typically guys Virginia's tracking. But this gives you a sense of not just guys you might not see all the time, but guys that you don't see all the time playing against guys they don't play against all the time, who are also really really good. And that's a very good evaluation tool. Like you're not there are no scrubs at this event. You know the the NBA Players Association does have a handful of spots that go to the sons of. Former players, um, but typically those guys who do show up are guys who are going to be playing legitimate college basketball. Like you're, like if my dad was an former NBA player and it was just me, I don't think they'd be like,
1: "All right, Brad, well you can have a spot." Um, <laughs> that was kind of my point was that for one, there's like no, it's not a lot of like weak talent. Yeah,
0: you're not going to get like, oh, well we we added this kid at the end of the bench because we needed somebody to to go to Vegas. With our with our tournament for our tournament this weekend, you know what I mean. Like these are all talented players who are going to get looks at from from colleges and whatnot.
1: Yeah, and and also it's like not only are all the players good, but then it's like we t- you know the ins and outs of um, AAU basketball is that a lot of kids are on different circuits because it's like Adidas or Nike or whatever. So, um, you know, they don't you're getting kids that don't always get matched up with each other matched up with each other.
0: And and not on the team that they practice with on the reg either. I mean, I, I think that to me is always an interesting thing because, like, can if you took a kid and just dropped him in a, on a, on a basketball court, what do you, what would he look like? Now, if you gave that same kid, you know, two three hours a week to practice with the A squad or whatever the whatever the schedule might be, how would they look then? You know, like when they're used to when they're when a, when a big man is used to the point guard he's played with uh, all spring and he knows. He knows where the where where the pass is going to come from. He he knows where the outlet's going to be. You know there are lots of things that you learn over the course of however many games that you play, and you get familiar with people. Well, now you're you're going to you know by the afternoon what you've had a couple practices maybe where you've had like you know some I mean we can call them practices, but for for, for what to what is considered a practice today it's probably not that. Um, let's see. I, I think that every time I I go to this camp. There are always players who, uh, who disappoint, and there are always those players who I go in thinking, I really want to see this kid, and they <laughs> inevitably get hurt, uh, or I really expect big things from this kid, and they don't do well. But there are always going to be those kids who surprise. And this one's, a, this one's not necessarily a, an offer generator, but it certainly is one that, because of the different talent, talent evaluators who are there, um, you know, for our shop, Bossy and, and, and Corey will both be there, I believe, uh, as well as a handful of all of us who, who run different sites and whatnot. Um, I, I'm always curious to see what, who gets mojo coming out of this event going into the July period, because when it comes to rankings and, and perception, a guy like John Newman could really do himself a lot of good. Um, you know, Keldon Johnson has had a an, an absolute, as I wrote, a torrid Kind of start to AU play You know, he comes in here, he keeps playing like that he, He's going to earn that fifth star And that sort of changes, one The way fans look at Recruiting battles, right? It changes the way that they uh, Perceive things, because for whatever reason Man, they, they, there's this there's this idea now That like, you can't get a good basket You can't, a, a good recruit is not a three star Anymore um, And and I, I don't I don't want to make that seem like I disagree completely. I think there are definitely some kids who are going to be low threes that you that that probably are not ACC caliber players. But like a kid like Marco Anthony was really talented, fit what they wanted, um, had some nice offers, and probably would have gotten more if he had stayed in the in the in the in the fight longer. Um, just because he's not a you know Rivals one fifty four star, I don't I don't know if that changes a whole lot in terms of who he's going to be. Um, but at this type of event you can really earn uh earn some some serious attention. It so it changes the way fans perceive the recruits, but it also changes I think sometimes the way that the elite schools perceive the recruits as well. Like if if Keldon Johnson goes in here and just lays waste to fools like he like he kinda did on the first two sessions of UYBL, he's gonna get the offers he's looking for. Um he's gonna have the recruitment he wants that he's wanted for two and a half, three years. Um and I, I keep using him as an example, but there there are lots of players who I think are going to be um, in in line for that. And sometimes that that can really change the course of, of the cycle because you have a handful of elite schools that get involved with certain prospects, and then you just have dominoes that sort of fall around them. Um, speaking of dominoes and falling, on a scale of one to I don't care at all, how much stress are you feeling uh, about 18 and, and not having any – basketball commitments because it seems like uh many people on the board are not if you say uh if you say you don't really care um like many people on the board don't share that sort of uh sort of vibe i I, it's actually been sort somewhat fascinating to me to watch folks get so so spun up about it um what's what's your your like i said your your gut generally is pretty good on these things what's what's your what's your vibe Am I concerned? Yeah, you, yeah. Are you personally concerned? Are you worried? Do you think Virginia's going to end up with, like, three schmoes and a and a, and a bucket of yuck? How do you, how no. Do you feel?
1: No, I'm not. Um, actually, I think this class, and I have for a long time, um, I've thought, you know, it sits up pretty well because they have the garnered the interest, uh, maybe more so than in the past, um, of some top-level players that there's, like, a, a lot of depth to the amount of interested kids at the top. Um, in the past, you know, it's been a few kids here and there, and then they get kids like Marco Anthony, who I think is a good basketball player. But, I mean, he's if he's a good basketball player, then he's under the radar um, because just looking at his offers and so on and so forth. Um, but, no, I think this class, I mean, they've always been set up with a ton of kids, and obviously some of those are going to commit. But then that just means that schools like Villanova and Maryland and other schools that they compete against for these players, especially in the D.C. area um, and north of there, uh, that's just less spots for those teams to recruit with. So at a certain point, um, you know, you you tip over the edge. And I think a lot of those kids are genuinely interested in UVA. Um, I was pretty impressed with the amount of talent they were able to get to games this past season. Uh, Just every game you go, there would be another, another, you know, top level prospect there and uh, I think UVAs you know kind of done a pretty good job of establishing themselves as a team that can compete for recruits now with with the best programs in the country um, the fact that they don't have a commit on June 13th is not anything to get too upset about um, if it's November 13th uh, 2017 then yeah maybe maybe you'll have something to worry about at this point I don't think so though uh, just kind of think after this camp I think I think things will start kind of moving in a positive direction well
0: I think there are two there are two dynamics at play here, and I mentioned this one of them is is the idea of of playing time and i and I don't mean that to say that guys who are recruits are afraid or it's not it, that's not the way that they the kids look at it. they look at it in terms of need and they look at it in terms of um for lack of a better description like showcasing talent, right? Like they're able to they they look at they look at situations and think what's the what's it look like? And while Virginia fans love Virginia, while you know a good number of the people listening to this podcast would do anything to to play basketball for Tony Bennett. There are lots of kids out there who have lots of options, and that's not to say that that they're not going to seriously consider the what what Virginia has to offer or anything like that. It's just like they didn't grow all grow up wanting to play for Tony Bennett or 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 the fact that Tony Bennett runs a nice program and they and they and they're, and they're largely successful. It, that's that's nice, but that's not enough. Sometimes you need to be able to see a path to whether it's whether it's specifically to playing time or just to roles and just to being able to be a um, significant contributor or whatever. I think the other thing, and you kind of touched on this a second ago, right? Is Virginia recruits a different type of kid now, right? Like. It's natural once you're able to sort of have a class like 16 um, when games the way Virginia has to be expected to be um, you know in the top 10 top 15 it seems weird when you when you're not um, you, you start to you start to recruit a higher caliber player and sometimes the higher caliber players especially in a class like 18 which I'll get back to in a second like sometimes they wait and sometimes those kids just don't decide early. The way that maybe the other kids did. Now that's not to say that there aren't some highly rated players who, who do decide early, and that's not to say that Virginia won't go back to um, to to getting kids earlier in the cycle in, in in the future. 18 is weird because, as we talked about before, like the kids in 18 are good, but for the for the most part, 18 as a class is not nearly as good as 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 the previous few, especially 17. And the reason f- and, and and what that means is is that. A kid who might be top fifteen nationally in eighteen, he might not have been top fifty, top sixty in with a reasonable with a with a with a similar skill set in a previous class. And what that does is is it compacts everything because the elite schools are gonna have to get the that first, you know, chop off the top. And then everybody else is sort of packed in. And so instead of there being clear sort of guys who can kind of go out and get the offers that they want, now everybody's kind of jumbled together and, and coaches are looking at instead of a nice sort of spread out single file line, they're seeing a whole bunch of dudes packed into a ball. And what that ultimately means is you have schools like Virginia which are going to kind of widen the net a little bit. They are recruiting a lot of spots. And, and I think for the most part guys in 18 see offers out there and they're just to they're, they're just going to wait and see and i think the kids who are committing by and large are kids who have a reason to commit. Brandon Williams goes to Arizona why cuz he, he's laid up with a knee injury and he i mean why would he wait? He that's where he wants to go he, and they're still interested in him. Why why would he wait for 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 some other kids to really impress Arizona and and take up that spot. Um you know, you're going to have a handful of kids who maybe didn't play as well in the earlier sessions and schools still are prioritizing them. They're going to they're going to feel the the other schools, you know, pulling away like the tide, and so they they feel like you know what I, I need to go ahead and do this now, um, and that can change some things for you once you start to feel that. So I'm not saying that every recruit who just decided is that way, but a lot of them are, especially the ones at least on Virginia's board. Um, so there are, there seems to be sort of I, I don't want to call it a pecking order because that implies that, that 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 like they wouldn't take player X. Uh, as we all know, like once Tony offers, he's ready to take you. It's a first come, first serve basis kind of deal. Um, but there does seem to be a, a, a group of guys who seem to be at the at the head of the uh, head of the table, and I don't think any of them are really in a hurry to decide. Um, and so it'll be interesting not just this week to see what they say, but also after this week to see kind of where things go. Um, and I and I think that's a piece. Uh, for me, at least, as I look at eighteen, you know, if you get to if you get to the early signing period, which I'll, I I don't know the dates of off the top of my head, but if you get to the early signing period in the fall and Virginia doesn't have anybody, feel free to get super freaked out. Okay, um, really hope that doesn't come back to bite me that I just said that. Um, but I I just I, I I'm like you. I think some some business will start to pick up. July is typically the time where, where, when because of coaches being on the road, you'll get uh, you'll, you get a lot of offers that'll come out, um, and then after that, you'll start to get some visits, and that's really when, uh, when the when the decisions will start to come in. So it, that's not to say that July decisions are unheard of; um, they just the, the kid typically guys go on visits before they make decisions, and they don't take a lot of visits uh, for obvious reasons uh, during that time frame. as um, As I, I kind of look ahead. It's funny to me As I was kind of breaking down the different targets um, You know I talked about damn, when was that last Friday Man that seems like it was like years ago um, I talked about how You know conventional wisdom Among my sources had gone from They might take four to probably three And um, Maybe not um, Even that many um, it, It'll be interesting I, I, I mentioned this in a board post But I, I just ha- I want to mention it on the podcast too Like the idea that Tony Bennett's going to go through uh the July period and not offer not see, you know, wings he likes and not offer them um is just too much it's <laughs> just too much for me to believe. Uh I I will have to see it happen for me to to for me to think uh that it w- that it will. Um before we wrap up uh the, this week's podcast for I'm, I'm interested um, when we look ahead to uh, the season, Marco and, and and Frankie both are on, are on grounds. I think we, we, as we all know, Frankie obviously going redshirt. Uh, Marco will be an interesting, um, an interesting sort of um, situation to watch because I, I don't think Virginia necessarily needs him, but I also don't think that they can go really without having him ready. Um, and so with him having you know arrived this week, I'm curious uh, on Marco. What are your expectations for him? this season and, and and really or do you have any for him and and what do you want to kind of what, what do you want to kind of see from him uh in the earlier part of of his of his first year on grounds what you, what are you looking for from that from that spot
1: um i don't want to say that i don't have expectations because that would kind of downplay yeah how good i think he has a chance to be very good um but I don't know if this team really needs him to be a star right away. So um, I think he has the athleticism um, to be a really good defender in this defense. Uh, to be able to come in and kind of contribute right away if he can grasp the system. Which obviously it takes a while for everybody to to do that. Um, but I think he can come in and do that right away. Um, at, from an offensive standpoint, I'm not really sure what to make of how he fits in with with the team. I mean, he can kind of do a little bit of everything. So, I mean, I think he definitely can bring quality minutes off the bench and you won't lose a whole lot. But I think he can develop – if he can develop his game, especially his jump shot, which already looks solid, um, I think he has the chance to be a really good, well-rounded player with his athleticism. Um, Not unlike Justin Anderson was when he got to UVA. I mean – Everybody remembers the year he had his uh, before he went pro. You know where he went crazy from three, but he wasn't the best shooter in the world when he got here, and he had to develop that. But he had the raw athleticism to come in and contribute and make plays. and And, and Marco might not be that electrifying, um, but at the same time, I think he has the ability to come in and, and contribute at a minimum. But at a maximum, I, I don't know how much they're gonna. If they need him to be really good, then that's probably not a good sign
0: yeah I, I agree with that i think that one of the reasons and i've 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 posted this on the board right that that they they're they might woe well up on on too much wing recruiting is just to give him a chance to him and dre a chance to breathe a little bit and i think part of what they do with at, at the wing in eighteen is, is kind of dependent on how he looks and and what they feel like he can uh, he can do this season and 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 certainly earlier in his career um i gotta say that if you could if you if you looked at Virginia's roster, just 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 looked at him, right? The he would be the guy that you would pull out of central casting, right? I mean, like he he just is like big, physical, like wide-shouldered dude. He's he's very much in in a Justin uh, Anderson sort of uh, um, sort of mold. And even if he doesn't have quite the ceiling that that Justin had, even if he's not quite the athlete. Like, he can still be, I think, like you said, a really good, uh, a really good player. He's, I think he's really crafty in a way that fits Virginia's style. What I'm really curious to see is if he picks up that defense really early, I could see him getting some big minutes and uh, in, 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 in possibly even a crunch time. I mean, if there's one thing that I learned this season, I think conventional wisdom still holds that Tony Bennett will favor experience. But you know what else Tony Bennett favors? Ability. And I thought there were times this year where he went to his younger kids and, and and basically said I, I need you to go make plays for me and sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't um, I think they're gonna be better for it down the road and a kid like Marco might benefit from that from from coach you know showing that maybe he he, he will rely on his young kids he's gonna have to give Dre and, and Jay their chance this year to sort of you know um, play their way through mistakes and, and kind of learn on the fly um, my guess is Marco gets similar sort of uh, sort of leash and because he can be physically what they need and what and he can be such a um such a nice addition in that respect that uh giving him that, that opportunity it could you know it could be a, a real difference maker and and look the the conference is going to be stacked as always you're it wouldn't be a bad thing to have a kid with his size and his strength uh you know kind of playing his way into comfort uh in the pack line and getting used to you know kind of what it uh, requires from a from a physical standpoint And certainly from a mental one as well um, But I think that's a good place To, to put a pin in We covered uh, Hand-wringing on both In both of the uh, Of the revenue sports We've talked recruiting we, We've we've covered the bases A little bit Hopefully uh, Dave will be able To be back with us uh, With us next week But I do want to thank uh, Ferber for giving uh, Of his time Once again Kindly So I appreciate that And of course I want to thank everybody out there For continuing to support the show And, and listening um, Week after week Really appreciate all of you out there who, who support us. So for uh, for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.